Morning. It's uh, great to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited for uh, just as we continue going through this series. Let me. Uh, I won't play that for you. Uh, you don't want me to play that shaker for you. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm excited just to uh, be with you guys this morning. I'm excited as we continue through this series. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, just ask all of all of those that, that are serving right now in the military or have served in the past, would you would you stand up, please? I, and one of the things we don't do here is we don't call people out. But I just wanted to take a minute and thank those of you guys that are serving in the military right now. And uh, yeah, just thank you guys. Thank you guys. Um, one of the one of the core vision, core values, however you want to look at it, for the church here. One of the one of the the foundations, I guess, is maybe a better word of why we wanted to start this church. Uh, this church um, you know, nine months ago was just a handful of people meeting in my living room, and it, it, it amazes me just how God has blessed us and how God is moving us forward. And my wife and I and uh, Chris, uh, Chris, you want to. Uh, Chris doesn't mind if I do that. Um, my wife and I and Chris moved here uh, a little over two years ago to start this church. And one of the reasons that we feel as though God wants us to have a wake in here in Virginia Beach is because we believe that the world can be impacted as a result of reaching uh, the military and, and uh, really just trying to um, empower you guys to take the gospel with you wherever God leads you in your, uh, in your career. And uh, so I just personally just want to thank you guys for your sacrifice, uh, for your service, and uh, for all that you do for our country. I, I truly appreciate it, and I know the church does as well. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Um, I'm excited for us to jump into this, uh, the end of this series. Uh, we've been going through a series called I Hate My Marriage. Um, it's funny as I... Uh, I'll invite people and I'll hand them a card that says, I hate my marriage. And I've had people say, oh, you do? And it's like, no, 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 don't, don't misunderstand, don't misunderstand. Um, but uh, the reason we titled it that series is I know a lot of people whose marriages aren't as they thought they would turn out. When they first got married, their marriages aren't as they thought that they would turn out. And uh, we want to, uh, to go through, we're going through the book Song of Solomon and we want to use this time to, to look and say, okay, what are some, some, some key things that are mentioned in Scripture that we can uh, take and apply to our lives that will, um, in essence, help us to have the marriage that God wants us to have, ultimately. And um, one of the things that we've done is uh, <clears throat> there, we've got two weeks left of this series. Uh, this week and next week, as we move on, you can go back and get all the other uh, podcasts for this series if you're interested. But one of the things that, that, that I thought we should do is if you look by you, there should be a, uh, a little index card. And I would just encourage you, if you have any question when it comes to, to topics of marriage, uh, relationships in general, uh, sex, because we've been talking a lot about that as we go through Song of Solomon, to, to write those on this card. And it can be... Uh, 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 you, you don't have to write down your name or anything. Just write those questions down and slip those in the offering later on uh, at the close of the uh, worship gathering here. And one of the things that I want to try to do, there's so much that we can talk about. This week was extremely difficult to uh, prepare for, for two reasons. One, because of the text we're looking at. You'll see why in a minute. 
but secondly, because there's so many things that we've talked about, but there's so many other things that we could talk about. And so I want to make sure that next week we, we kind of hit those things that maybe we've not talked about or that maybe you, you maybe want to review on, um, just to, to make sure that we, we get, give as much help as possible on this topic. Um, I have a, uh, a question for you. Do you guys remember your, your first job? Do you guys remember the first job that you had? Anybody? Yeah? What, what, was, what was the first job that you had? Anybody? A bowling alley. All right. What else? Dishwasher. Is anybody else a dishwasher? A couple? I thought there might be a couple. What else? What? You ate the snacks? <laughs> I can do that to Chris. What else? A bus boy. Okay. What? Wow, that sounds like a professional job. Man, sign me up for that. <laughs> That's awesome. What else? Anything else? A what? A tutor. Wow, a first job. That's a great job. Okay. Anything else? Taco Bell. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Really? That'd be a fun job. That's awesome. Wow. Anybody else? Oh, like newspaper? Newspaper? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Awesome. I actually did that too for a little while. My dad would get up early with me and my sister. But uh, my, anybody else before I move on? Yeah, yeah. Mowed lawns. There you go. Yep, that's a famous one, isn't it? My, uh, my first job, and you can't laugh at me, okay? Promise me you won't laugh. Say, I promise. I promise. You guys lie. Um, my first job, I worked at, at a flower store. Yeah, you guys laugh, huh? Um, <laughs> my, my first job was at a, a garden center called Donzell's. And the way I f- got this first job was, I think I was a junior in high school. And I, my mom was like, Mike, you really should get a job now. And it's like, all right, I guess. And so I... Uh, Applied at, at this flower garden, yeah, flower garden, um, and uh, they, it, they they never called me back or anything. And I'm like, well, come on, you know, how hard can it be to work with flowers? You know, I got to be overqualified for that. And, <laughs> and so I just I kept calling them and saying, hey, have you looked at my resume yet? Have you looked at my resume yet? And honestly, this is no kidding. I must have called them like six or seven times. Okay, and finally, I talked to the guy. And he said, okay, why don't, why don't you just come in for an interview? And then he says, and plan on working. <laughs> and so I went in, they interviewed, and then I started working that day. But uh, that turned out to be a great job for me. Um, and it's actually harder than what you guys might think, okay? You have to memorize, like, okay, these flowers go in shade, and these flowers go in sun. And certain flowers, you can't get water on the leaves because it will kill the leaf, you know. And, uh, but one of the things that they would make us do at this job, it was, it was in the summertime, it, was, it would be extremely hot in the greenhouses. And they gave us shorts that we could wear. The problem was these shorts were like male Daisy Duke shorts. 
If you know what I mean. Seriously, they were like this high, right? I felt a little funny wearing those shorts. In fact, we used to, to, to kid around that the owner's daughter is the one that made us wear those shorts. So we would kind of say she was a... Never mind. Um, but uh, I refused to wear those shorts, so I would wear jeans every, every day in the work there, and it would get extremely hot. But the reason I want to bring up work, because marriage requires work, doesn't it? Am I right? I mean, maybe you guys have this marriage that is outstanding, and it, it hasn't required you any work. If that's the case, let, let's connect. All right, Show, tell me your secrets. But in my experience, and it is, as I talk with people and, and learn as I get older, marriage takes work, doesn't it? And, and one of the things that we've looked at as we've gone through this series, I mean, we've talked about all kinds of things. We've talked about the, uh, the priorities that need to be in a marriage. We've talked about what a, a guy needs from her or a guy needs from his wife in a marriage, and what a lady needs from her husband in a marriage. We talked about those things. Um, we've looked at song. Of, uh, we we looked, looked at Solomon and his wife. We looked at them fighting in marriage and what that looks like. We looked at uh, their wedding day. We've looked at their wedding night. And uh, today we're actually. Last week we we were talking about the the, the fight that they had, and we went through what it means to truly deal with sin in your marriage, okay? And what's funny is I've seen a lot of marriages fall apart for the simple reason that we don't know how to work on the marriage. We don't know how to work through sin. We don't know how to work through miscommunication. We don't know how to work through uh, finances. And and, and the list could go on, right? The list could go on. And one of the things that we mentioned last week and we've mentioned throughout this series is that there needs to be a center point within our marriage. There needs to be a central foundation within our marriage. And, and that central foundation, let me show you what that is. Can, I, can we have those slides of, of, of stats or whatever we want to call those? I, I want to show you guys this. These are stats on church, relating to the church and divorce. Okay, And, and when I read these, I, I want you to know that these stats aren't Christian stats. Okay, they, they weren't made by a bunch of pastors sitting around. Okay, These were made by people out in the secular workforce. And this is what they found out. They said that divorce is 2.4 times higher among couples where neither spouse attends a church than among couples where each spouse attends what they would call religious services every week. What's next? Those who frequently attend religious services are only about half as likely to separate. So those that, that have a church that they call home are, are about less, uh, what is it, are only about half as likely to separate. Okay? What's, what's next? Those who do not attend re- what they call religious services, again, this was taken by a, a secular market, are 2.5 times more likely to have been divorced. So those that don't call a church their home or 2.5 times more likely to have been divorced than respondents who attend religious services regularly. Okay? Next. Couples who do not share the same religious denomination or who have no religious affiliation are significantly more likely to divorce. Next one. Couples with different religious backgrounds are more than 100% more likely to divorce. 
Couples who share the same denomination are 42% more likely to be very happy within their marriages than couples who, who do not. Couples who are theologically conservative and regularly attend church together report greater marital happiness. Again, this wasn't taken by a group of churches. This was taken by the secular market. And I think the last one, both married men and women aged 18 to 55 who attend religious services regularly several times a month or more, okay, so it's not I go on Easter and Christmas idea, uh, have happier marriages as a whole, though the influences of church going appears to be markedly stronger for married men. So, so this is actually saying then that when men are involved in a church, that marriage is impacted more likely than just if the woman's involved. I wanted to show us those real quick because we can... I can go through all kinds of different principles. I can go through all kinds of different methods of confrontation, healthy confrontation. I can go through characterizing the differences between a guy and a girl, as we will do here in just a second. But from what these, this research shows... It is saying that those that are involved in a church somewhere have healthier marriages. I want to take that a step further. Okay, I want to take that a step further and I want to say those that are making Jesus Christ the center of their marriage are more likely to have a healthy marriage than those that are not. That's what I gather from those uh, statistics or that research. And that's what I tend to see as we go through the book Song of Solomon. Is that those marriages that are built around Jesus as being the foundation of that marriage tend to have a healthier marriage. And it, it, it makes sense if you think about it. How do you deal with sin in your marriage? Jesus has a great example how you deal with sin in your marriage. No, there's huge differences between a man and a woman. Let's, uh, let's look at some of those. I've got uh, some differences here. <clears throat> let's see, it says that uh, men will identify the need to find something and say that they have lost it before they have even looked, right? So it's saying that men will, will lose something, and they'll say they've lost it before they even looked for it. You guys do that, guys? Yeah? Yeah. It says here that... Uh, a woman will spend 15 minutes looking for something that she doesn't really need to find. Is, is that true? Is that true? All the guys are laughing. The ladies aren't laughing. <laughs> uh, women will often put a stack of things at the bottom of the stairs when tidying up so that they remember to take them upstairs, right? You'll kind of put things at the bottom of the stairs. It says a man will step over those stack of things. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. Uh, if told that a relative has bought a new car, a woman will often say... What? What color is it? A man will often say, what kind of car is it? Right? What type? What style? Right? No? No? <laughs> uh, if a man wants to buy a new suit or, or a new piece of clothing or whatever, he'll say, I saw a, a suit that I want to buy. A woman, if she wants to buy a new dress or something like that, she will say, you know, I, I went to meet my friend Lisa today. And we went and we got coffee. 
And on the way to, to where we parked the car, uh, oh no, it doesn't matter. Well, don't, don't worry, it's nothing. Making the man complete a puzzle to establish a very simple fact that she wants to buy a dress. Is that true? Is that true? <laughs> uh, men learned very quickly in childhood that small house spiders are not going to eat you in your sleep. Women have not discovered that yet. <laughs> That's okay, bro. I haven't either. I hate spiders. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, women think that it's a good idea to keep the remote control on top of the television. I, I, don't, I don't know why that is. I'd rather right there. But uh, Let's see. Uh, a man... Oh, this is great, guys. A man will sleep through any sound. Is that true? I, I don't know about... Like, for me personally... I, I, I didn't sleep as soundly as I do now that I have kids. I don't, I don't know if that's bad or not, guys. I, I don't know. I've kind of trained myself to sleep through anything. My wife, on the other hand, will wake up at the sound of anything. I, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. It says, a woman will hear any sound and be worried about burglars. There we go. I just clarify that. But there's tons of differences between a man and a woman, isn't there? Is that right? Tons of differences. We could go on and on and on. Those are just some of the funny things that might be different. And so I want to ask you, if there's so many differences between a man and a woman, how much more important is there to be something that that marriage is built on, a foundation of of sorts that that marriage is built on? One of the main differences that we're going to talk about here today, that that, uh, main differences within a marriage, is that a, a man is visual, okay? A man is visual. He is simulated through the eyes. He, he is excited about things through his eyes. He takes snapshots of things through his eyes. A woman, on the other hand, is very verbal, okay? And now, t- turn to Song of Solomon, chapter uh, uh, 6 and 7, and you're going to understand a little bit of what I'm talking about. Turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 6 and, and 7, and you'll see a little bit of what I'm talking about. When it comes, if you need a Bible, put your hand up real quick, and we would love to give you one that you can take with you and call it yours. But I would love for you to follow along as we look at this passage. But as we mentioned, one of the main differences between a man and a woman is that a, a, a man is very visually driven and a woman is very verbally driven. And what we're getting at here is, is a sexual relationship. Okay, That's what we're going to talk about this morning. All right? It is, is a, a married couple's sexual relationship. And we're talking about that because of where this passage goes. But before we get into that, I want to ask you guys, how do you deal with the differences that might be within a marriage? One, let me, let me ask you, do you talk about those differences with your spouse? Do you talk about the differences that, you, that, that are between a man and a woman? And, and you know what those differences are within your marriage, okay? Do you talk about those differences with, with one another? Secondly, do you um, hold one another accountable to certain things within your marriage? Like, like for instance, I uh, was, was talking to my wife the other day, and uh, I said, you know, I don't really do that, do I? It's something, uh, it's like... Uh, uh, when, I, when I talk, do I, do I uh, want to be right on certain things, you know? 
And she, uh, I'm being very vulnerable here now. Um, she, uh, I said, I don't do that, do I? And she said, well, yeah, sometimes. And I was like, oh, okay, well, talk to me more about that. Let's talk about that. Because I want to understand my weaknesses, right? Right? So do you hold each other accountable within your relationship for certain things? Within a married relationship, that accountability is going to be built around certain things, right? I actually asked my wife this week, I said, why is it easier... I don't, I don't want to say easier. That, that's wrong. Because sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. But I asked her, I said, why are we able to hold each other accountable within our marriage? And I'm talking about things as, even as far as uh, guys where your eyes go. Okay? And you know what I mean. And I asked her, why are we able to do that? And we talked about that for a little bit. And some, some things that, that I saw that she saw as well is she said, you know, we trust each other. There's trust that's built. Um, she mentioned uh, that uh, <clears throat> the idea that we understand that we're different, okay, and how we function and how we see life and how we look at things, okay, we're different in some of that. Um, she uh, or, or we actually talked about that more, and we discovered that uh, we believe that 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 we're for each other, okay. We believe that we're for each other. And that we want to encourage one another. We want to challenge one another. And we're not against each other. We uh, discovered that uh, we're, we're, we're uh, trusting one another. We're honest in the things that we say. One of the things I remember early on in our marriage is I remember Connie saying to me, she said, I don't want you to be a knight in shining armor. And she said that because what she was getting at was she said, you know, a knight that, that is banged up a little bit means he's been to war. It means that he has fought. A knight in shining armor means that he has not done anything, right? Because he's not banged up. There's no, there's no battle scars. And so she was basically saying, I want a man who will fight for me. I want a man who's not f- afraid to, to, to enter into danger if, if, if the situation calls for to, for the healthiness of our marriage. So do you guys see some of those things can create a relationship between a husband and a wife or, or as you're dating, uh, as that relationship gets more serious towards marriage? And, I, and if you're in early stages of dating, I'd be cautious of how close you get in some of this stuff. But I mean, you're getting close to engaged or you are in, 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 uh, engaged. Those are things that you want to build in within that relationship. Uh, let's, let's go on. So do you talk about some of your differences? Do you hold each other accountable to some of those differences? Do you ask questions? Do you ask questions, you know? For instance, do, do I dress okay? Do you like how I dress? When we first got married, my wife had to redress me. Um, I'm not talking sexually here. I'm just saying... I was not very, I, I dressed like my dad, let's put it that way. Uh, I love my dad, but I mean, he dresses like my dad. Um, so she had to help me understand how to dress in culture. Does that make sense? And I was like all for that. I was like, I'll dress however you want me to if you find me attractive, right? Guys, you agree. Come on, you agree, right? 
Uh, let, let's see here. Do you compliment each other? When you're, when you're asking questions, do you compliment? Um, do you say, how can I help you in certain areas? You know, how can I help you? You know, as we're walking through the mall, again, guys, guys are very visually driven. As we're walking through a mall, do you want me to tell you, hey, you know, that store kind of has some, some trashy stuff in the window. You guys know what I mean. Do you want me to tell you that? Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I don't want to see that trash. Ladies, are you visually generous with your husband? I'll kind of leave that alone for a minute. We'll see that in this text coming up. Um, do, do you uh, fight with him or do you fight for him when it comes to the, the trash that is out there on the billboards and on the TV? I mean, I, I love watching football. You can't even watch football sometimes without people wearing half their clothes. So do you fight with him or do you fight for him on some of these things? Let's go ahead and jump into Song of Solomon. We're going to look at 6, 11 through 7, 10. And just as a reminder why we're looking at this book, we want to make sure that we are challenging ourselves in our married relationships. Those of us that are single, we want to make sure that we're challenging ourselves to prepare us for marriage. And I believe that one of the best books for us to go through to talk about these things is the book Song of Solomon which was written by Solomon about his wife and their relationship, uh, the good and the bad. And one of the things that I've always said, that, that as long as God has called me to teach his word, I want to tackle everything that God says in his book. Everything. I don't want to shy away from anything that God puts within the pages of Scripture. Because I believe, as 1 Timothy says, that all Scripture is breathed by God for the purpose of growing us and maturing us into Christ. And therefore, I don't want to take out certain passages because they're harder to deal with than others. Because I believe those harder passages are just as important as those easy passages. Sometimes maybe more important because we're scared to talk about them. And this passage today, 611 through 710, I can tell you is one of the hardest passages and all the scripture for us to talk about. One of the hardest passages for us to talk about. In some ways, it's one of the most debated passages over the meaning of the passage. And I actually went for several hours this week to uh, Regent's Library. And I went in there and pulled out all kinds of commentaries to make sure that I understand this passage thoroughly. Because I don't want to teach something I've heard, or I don't want to teach something that I believe it's saying. I want to teach what God is saying through this passage. And through my studies, I believe that this is what this passage is teaching. Let's go ahead and jump in, okay, guys? Again, you've got to remember, we're building off a fight that happened within their marriage. All right? That fight happened, they sat, and they talked about it a little bit. <clears throat> now, in verse 11, it says, Lover, and that is uh, Solomon speaking at this point. Wherever it says lover, that's Solomon speaking. Where it says beloved, that is his wife speaking. And where it says friends, that is their friends speaking. So let's jump in. It says, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley. So Solomon, after their fight, he said, I went down to a quiet place where I could think and pray and contemplate 
the fight that we just had, right? He says, I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley, to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. And then he says, before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. Verse 13, it says, come back, come back, O Shulamite. Shulamite is often referred to as a feminine word for Solomon. Okay, so basically it's Mrs. Solomon is kind of what we're going to say here. Come back, come back, O Shulamite. So her friends are saying, hey, come back here, come back here. Let's spend some time. Let's just hang out. Let's have a good day together, you know. And then it says, come back, come back, that we may just hang out. We may gaze on you. We may hang out and have, have a... Just have, just have fun today as friends. And then he continues and he says, Why would you gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of Mohanim? So, so basically he says, hey, he takes his wife, they go back to their place, all right, their house, and this is later on in their marriage. And it says, why would you want to hang out with your friends? I would much rather sit here and, and, and be together in our marriage relationship. And, uh, and peer in on the dance of the Mohanim. All right? How many of you guys know what that dance is? No, no, oh no, oh no, oh no. No, you understand why in a minute. Um, <clears throat> the dance of the Mohanim was a, an old tribal dance that, that they would do before war. Okay? They would do this dance before war or during war. What is interesting about this dance is they would do this dance in the nude. Okay? And that should be no surprise. We talked about the, the Celts last week or maybe two weeks ago, and we said that the Celts, when they would go off to war, they would go off to war naked, right? I don't know why they would do that in some, uh, some, some uh, uh, ancient cultures, but... But that, that happened at times, okay? And so he is saying, I would rather than be with our friends today, I would rather be with you and watch the dance of the Mohanim. Basically, what he is saying, basically, let me, basically what is happening here, hold your breath, she is doing a striptease for her husband. No lie. No lie. I checked commentaries this week. I looked at at, at several different uh, guys that I trust online and their interpretation of Scripture. And they all agree that they are in their bedroom and she is doing a striptease for her husband. Let's continue. You'll see why that's the case. It goes on and it says, uh, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. If you remember, the last time he complimented his wife verbally, he started from the head and went down to the, to the floor. This time he's starting from the floor and going up. He says, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. He starts at her feet. He, he loves her feet. And why she has sandals on, I don't know. Maybe there are some provocative sandals. And he goes on and he says, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman hand. So he goes up and he loves the, the features of her legs. Are you guys uncomfortable yet? I, I'm not. Um, because, again, I believe that all Scripture is God-breathed. I believe that God wants us to talk about this. 
And it goes up in verse 2, and it says, Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. This was another interesting passage. Again, I love going through books of Scripture because it makes us tackle every verse that's in Scripture. If somebody else would want that job today, I would gladly give it to you. That is saying, guys, the last I checked, navels do not have fluid in them. Okay? And as I looked at the original Hebrew that is then translated to the Greek later on, and then translated into the English, navel is a very bad translation. That is being, the true translation of that is a woman's parts. Okay? I'll just say it that way. So he is going from the feet to the legs to her private parts. And then he continues on. He says, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Then he goes to her breast. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. We talked about that a couple weeks ago because he, he referred to the same thing to his wife a couple weeks ago. And basically, twins, the fawn twins of a gazelle are furry woodland animals. All right? They're, uh, they're baby deer. And, and as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, they're saying, you know, the petting zoo is open. All right? But uh, he is gazing upon her breasts and he's complimenting her for how she looks. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate bath of Rabbim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. And then he goes to her head. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing. O love with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm, and your breasts like clusters of fruit. And he says, I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. I'll let you interpret that yourself. May your breasts be like the clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. So what do you guys think of that? What do you guys think? Song of Solomon. Solomon and his wife are having an intimate moment. And it's wide open in the pages of Scripture for us to take a look at. Why do you think God puts it there? I mean, it's right there, right? Right there. And again, as a church, we'll never shy away from anything that's in the book. Why does God put it there? What are we to learn and take out of that? One of the things to keep in mind, that page of Scripture, there's two ways to look at Scripture. One is prescriptive, and one is descriptive. Okay, prescriptive is looking at Scripture and saying, God is telling us how to live. That's prescriptive, all right? Uh, All the way through Romans, look through Romans. It's prescriptive, what it means to live a life in Christ commanding us, James commands us how to live our lives for Christ. Prescriptive. A lot of Song of Solomon is descriptive. That is not saying that, okay, this is a command of God for you in your marriage. That's not what this is saying. This is descriptive. This is describing what their marriage relationship looks like. Do you guys understand the difference there? I don't want you to walk out of here and say, oh, Mike is saying that we're supposed to do this in our marriage. 
What I am saying is that this is a picture of what can be a healthy marriage. If that is indeed what you and your wife choose. I want to challenge the guys here a little bit. The guys can sit here and get all excited and say, Wow, this happens in Scripture. Hey, honey, let, let, let's, let's uh, take that as prescriptive. Let me explain something to the guys. Actually, let's go through this list. I think it will explain it to both of us. Can we have that list up here? Maybe? Sort of? Kind of? There we go. There, there's a list of ten things I, wa- I want us to look at. And I want us to understand what, it, what a healthy marriage relationship, what it takes for a healthy marriage relationship to look, to, to function, to, to come to that point, okay? This does not happen outside of an unhealthy relationship. Or within an unhealthy relationship, I should say. That does not happen in an unhealthy relationship. That happens in a healthy relationship. Now, it's unfortunate we talked about earlier in the series how Solomon ruins their marriage. He cheats on his wife. He ruins his marriage. Okay? But I want to look at ten things that I believe create a healthy relationship where this can take place if you choose or it cannot if you choose. It's entirely up to you as a married couple. First of all, happiness is not the most important thing, guys. We've talked about that through the series, that God uses a marriage relationship to make us holy in his sight. I can honestly tell you that nothing within your life will challenge you to grow as much as your married relationship. Because your wife, your spouse, your husband will, will, will tell you and will be able to point out, they'll know your weaknesses and your strengths. And you're going to find out your weaknesses and your strengths. And it's going to challenge you within your relationship. And that's why I would challenge those of us that are single at this point. You might be sitting here and saying, man, Mike, thanks for showing me this scripture, bud. This really sucks. You know, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, what you're supposed to do with this and say, what do I need to do now within my walk with Christ to prepare myself to begin a healthy marriage? Because a healthy marriage just doesn't start when two people get married and you work on that together. Healthy marriage starts way before you may even meet your, your future spouse. What's the next one? Couples discover the value in just showing up. All right, sometimes there's going to be situations where you're going to be arguing within your relationship and you're not even going to want to be around each other. Sometimes there is value just being there together and letting time and conversation heal those wounds. What's the next one? If you do what you always do, you will get the same result. If you do what you always do, you'll get the same result. So if something isn't working within your relationship, figure out what that something is. And let me challenge you. Don't say you need to do this. Say I need to do this. What's the next one? Your attitude does matter. Your attitude does matter. And that is, that is one of the key things, if you're single now, will impact your relationship later, is how you have dealt with past pain, experiences, circumstances, past sin, and all of those things. How you deal with those things will affect your relationship. So your attitude does matter. What's the next one? Change your mind, you change your marriage. 
We've talked about all through this series how a marriage needs to be built around Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is the foundation of that marriage, and we are going into the pages of Scripture, into the pages of Scripture, all of Scripture, allowing God to transform our mind, it will affect our desires and our passions, and it will then change our behavior. So changing our behavior is not waking up one morning and saying, I better change how I act in my marriage. First, it goes back to your mind, changing your mind with the truths of Scripture that change your passions and desires, how you, how you uh, move without even thinking. And then it changes your behavior. What's next? The grass is greenest where you water it. You guys heard the, the phrase, the grass is greener on the other side? That's not true, guys. Not true at all. And it's unfortunate the number of people that fall into that trap within their marriage. They believe that the grass is going to be greener on the other side with this other individual. It's not true. The grass is greener where you water it. It's interesting how when you go through Song of Solomon, God, God takes and uses pictures of vineyards, pictures of gardens, and she re- is referred to as a garden. What do you need to do for a garden to be beautiful? You need to take care of it. Solomon is taking care of his wife. Next one. You can change your marriage by changing yourself. Again, don't you need to do this. It's I need to do this. What's next? Love is a verb, not just a feeling, guys. Some days you're not going to feel like love. Okay? What's next? I know we're flying through this. Marriage is often not just a feeling. Is that the end of them? Or is there one more? There we go. Marriage is often about fighting the battle between your ears. This gets me back to the last thing that I want to say here. The last thing as we, as we finish up. We can look at this passage. Let me say this. As we look at this passage, it is very obvious that men are visually driven. It is very obvious that women are a lot of times verbally driven. All right? Within a sexual relationship, there are, a man can, let's go, I'm ready. A woman, on the other hand, it takes a while, doesn't it? It's like an oven, got to heat up a little bit. What I want us to understand here, we need to understand those two, those, those two pieces within a marriage relationship. We need to understand how my husband thinks, ladies, and gentlemen, we need to understand how our wives think. And that is, I believe, one of the most important pieces we can take from this passage of Scripture. Guys, I don't talk about these passages because I get a thrill out of it. I talk about these passages because God believes they're important for us to read. What we see in their relationship doesn't happen overnight. What we see in their relationship is something that happens over a period of time of nurturing 
And as we talked about earlier, working on that relationship. Guys, do you verbally... express to your wife what she means to you? Because as we're reading, that's extremely important. Not, not to say, oh, I did that when we first got married. She knows that. She needs to hear it all the time. Ladies, Are you at a place within your marriage that you can, I, I want to say this, that you can be visually generous servant lover? Be a visually driven, a visually generous servant lover. And it's easy for us in a, in a Christian environment to say, oh, well, yeah, I see, I see how we're supposed to be uh, generous and a servant within, a, w- w- within our walk with Christ. That's easy, right? You add in those two other words, visually and lover, then we're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I don't know about that. That is exactly what is transpiring in this passage. She is visually generous to her husband. To her husband. She is allowing her husband to see, snap, to, to, to create snapshots in his mind that are redeemable because the world that we live in throw junk in our face all the time that, that makes us form these snapshots of trash in our mind that are not redeemable. So ladies, are we allowing our husband to see redeemable snapshots of us? Uh, I'm I'm done with time here. There's a lot more that we could say about this. But my prayer is that we understand that these are things that we can set goals within our relationship. I, I heard a pastor, a, a guy, ask a pastor, hey, pastor, how long until that can happen in my marriage? And, and he said, a, a decade. And the guy laughed, oh, ha, ha, no, that's funny, how long? And he said, no, seriously, a decade. This does not happen overnight, guys. This is something that if you want within your marriage, and I'm not saying you even have to, all right? That is what you and your wife are comfortable with. But for that to happen, it takes time. It takes nurturing that garden that God has given to us. The garden of a marriage relationship. As the worship team comes up, I want to ask you to do two things this week. I believe it's healthy within our marriage relationships to talk about some of these things. Husbands, I want you to ask this question to your wife, and this might be kind of hard to do, but I believe it's important. I want you to ask her, what can I do to encourage freedom within our relationship? That can be freedom sexually. That can be freedom within communication, conversationally. What can I do to create freedom within our relationship to help you feel a sense of freedom? Women, I want you to ask your husband, what are your favorite snapshots of me. I know that's vulnerable. I know that's hard. But I hope we're understanding that we need to have redeemable snapshots in our minds. That is how God has created us. And it'd be easy for, for, for wives to say, all right, pervert, 
what, how do you like when I look? What do you like, what do you like me to be in, you know? No, guys. It's, it's not being a pervert. It's how God created us. It's obvious through the pages of scripture. We are different. Men and women are entirely different. And we need to fight for one another. So women, uh, wives, ask your husbands, what are the favorite snapshots of me? And ask them, what can I do to be more visually generous to you? And guys, understand that this happens over time. If you choose. Right? This happens by nurturing the garden and marriage that God's given Those of us that are single, dating, engaged. What do you need to do in your life to prepare you for your marriage? They say that 92% of us will be married and not always married. What do you need to do to prepare for that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to tackle the hard pieces of Scripture. And Lord, this is one of the hardest passages in all of Scripture. I thank you, Lord, that you called us to tackle this passage very early on in the life of the church. And Father, I, I pray that there would be no discomfort. I pray that there would be no awkwardness. Because, Lord, it's words that you breathed through your Spirit for man to write, for man to read, and for man to, to use within his life. And so, Father, I pray that we would do that. And I pray that we would have marriages that glorify and honor you.